All right, welcome to another episode of Breakaway from the Rat Race. And today I have the pleasure of speaking to Tom with Tom Lonnie. Uh, and Tom Lonnie is, uh, is the leader in guiding investors to become their own banker. He's going to tell us about a little bit about his, uh, his past in the music industry and how he transitioned to this new career. Uh, Tom, how, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Eric. It's great to be here. Hey, Eric, I notice you have an acoustic guitar in your background there. Do you yep. play? I do. Well, I try. <laughs> so, uh, and now I just, you can see the strings are kind of, I switched to uh, nylon strings uh, recently because oh. I wanted to do more like a flamenco style uh, guitar. So uh, that's, that's cool. why it's kind of like that, a little bit messy right now, but yeah. I love it. Well, I, as you uh, alluded to, I am ex music industry. So that's the first thing that caught my eye. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> and um, I, I was so fortunate to be able to work with some of the best artists in the business. I got to work with Bruce Springsteen and R.E.M. and Aretha Franklin and Steve Perry and just oh. the list goes on and on and on. Um, who I got to be around in the music industry. And I know that what I do now is seems to people like a really hard left turn, but all I was doing then, Eric, was helping these artists achieve their goals. That's all I was doing was helping bring the most out of whatever it is that they wanted to accomplish and yeah. being their guide along the way. And that's what I'm doing now with people's personal finance. It just absolutely um the in my mind it's the same thing i'm the behind the scenes guy the guy who wants to bring the best out of people and help them mm -hmm. understand concepts that they had no idea even existed oh yeah so basically money and equity is everyone's instrument and then you help them <laughs> <laughs> grow their career <laughs> hey i love that that's it no one's ever put it that way eric but i do like that a lot it's very very good so yeah, I created a strategy called the Bulletproof Wealth Strategy, and it incorporates three elements. And the first one that is really important ties into my music career. And what it does is it protects your ability to earn a living. So for anybody out there who's working every day, doing whatever they do, um, and needs to have some protection, like, hey, what would happen if I couldn't do my job. In my case, I saw um, uh, I went to a financial advisor who said, hey, you're earning a lot of money with your hearing. Really, that's all you're using to make this living is your hearing. And I would like to protect your ability to um, earn that living in music with your hearing. And what we're going to do is put a long term disability policy on you that has a what's called an own occupation designation. And that own occupation designation is tied to your hearing. So if you lose your ability to do your job, then this thing is going to pay you a tax free monthly income until you get a new career. So uh, 20 years, Eric, after I put that policy in force, that exact same, that exact thing happened. All right. I was uh, in the studio one day making a movie soundtrack. <clears throat> it was one of the last things that I did. And um, I suddenly had high frequency hearing loss due to an accident in the studio. And that um, opened up this wild thing that I never thought would happen to me, but I was able to get a tax-free monthly income and I went back to school to learn 
everything I could about how this guy had helped me because I wanted to help other people do the same thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's also beneficial for a lot of people that are independent uh, consultant or independent workers or gig workers. I mean, people yeah. uh, often kind of like, you know, they, they, they think, oh, this is great. I, I'm, I'm my own, uh, my own employer, my own boss and all of that. Right. But the thing is that if something happens to you, um, you, you know, you, you can't earn a living, then you're kind of, uh, you're kind of screwed. You, you, you know, yeah, it's, so it's not a, a good problem. day. It's not a good day. And yeah. so the reality is, is that there's a lot of these particular policies that people try to, um, they, they, they try to sell people this concept of, hey, just get the cheapest one you can. But those inexpensive long-term disability policies, they have a definition of insurability that is terrible. And what it is, is that you have to not be able to work in any job whatsoever in order to qualify yeah. to go on claim. They call that an any occupation policy. That means that you can't work as a checkout clerk at a grocery store. Um, yeah. You can't do anything before you can go on claim. But what I promote and recommend is what I had, which is called own occupation. And what that means, Eric, is, is that you can't do the specific job that you're doing now. Yeah. And for doctors, lawyers, people who use their, you know, their um, like specific skills, like their voice or their hands or their hearing, it's really important that you realize that a doctor may not be able to do surgery, um, but he might be able to teach at a um, at a college yeah. for medicine, right? Yeah. And if yeah. that were the case, he could still be on claim because he wasn't doing surgery, but still make an income teaching, yeah. but it just won't be as much, right? It won't yeah. be as much as he was doing his primary thing. So that is the big first most important thing that I teach people is how to protect your ability to earn a living. It's not talked about very much mm -hmm. um, at all. And that is important. And real estate investors need to understand that this is important for them too. Um, I will say for real estate investors, this only covers your active income. It mm -hmm. does not cover just mailbox money because you'll get mailbox yeah. money coming in exactly. whether you're disabled or not. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that, that was kind of my question, because I think uh, what I promote a lot is that uh, is financial freedom. So everybody's goal should be number one goal should be to achieve financial freedom. And 100%. Yeah, right. So and for that reason, I mean, it's this is mailbox money. This is money that's coming in, whether you're working or not, whether you're able to work or not. And yes. um, so in that case, that's not something that would be insurable. Uh, but yeah, it would be your active income if you do other kinds of uh, of work that uh, and you need the money from from that, then that's what you would want to insure. So this doesn't tie in, Eric, to um, for specifically to turnkey, because that is fully passive if it's being yeah. managed by somebody else. But if somebody were to be managing their own portfolio of homes mm -hmm. and they were the ones collecting the rent, they were making all of the um, due diligence on fixing things when they broke and they were kind of more actively involved in yeah. their rental portfolio, then that would qualify as active income for okay. them. So it's important to differentiate what's active and what's passive. Um, yeah. But yeah. I would say turnkey is passive for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So, so tell us more about you. You mentioned your, your bulletproof wealth strategy that you said yeah. you had like three components. So this was component one is protect your, mm -hmm. uh, your income. Yeah. Protect your ability to earn a living. That's number mm -hmm. one. The reason that's important is because without number one, number two, and number three are at risk. And that if yeah. they were at risk, I couldn't call it bulletproof wealth, right? So yeah. number two is capture your insurable interest. And what that mm -hmm. means is it's an interesting thing that very few people understand, Eric, but you cannot go out and buy as much life insurance as you want, okay? Because it's based on how much money you earn and how old you are. So the younger you are relative to how much you earn, you can get more life insurance, okay? And then mm -hmm. as you age, you qualify for less and less based on you, you know how much income you earn. So for example, somebody who is 40 years or younger can qualify for 30 times their earnings. So if you made um, $100,000 a year, you would qualify for $3 million of life insurance. And, and then once you get to 41, you qualify for 25 times how much you earn. So that would be 2.5 million um, based on a $100,000 income. And you might be wondering how in the world do they come up with these numbers? It all sounds crazy. Well, what it is, it's based on a 4% income replacement ratio. And what that means is that if something were to happen to um, the primary insured and they their beneficiary were to get a big check if they took that check and said hey i just need a four percent return on this that should be enough to replace that person's income and that's what they're doing is they're replacing income so for example a 2.5 million dollar check to a spouse at four percent return would get a hundred thousand dollars so yeah, that yeah, is yeah. basically that's how that works i think that's really important because the primary focus that I have in helping people is the third leg to the stool, and that is creating your own privatized bank. And you might be going, why in the world would I even want my own privatized bank? Well, once you understand how banks make money, then you realize, oh my gosh, now I know how important it is to be able to have this ability in my own life. And it works perfectly with people who want to invest in real estate. Um, it works perfectly. Eric, can I ask you a question? On an average turnkey property, what is the rate of return somebody should be looking for to achieve um, on, on an investment? So currently our investors, people that are buying our turnkey property, they're making about between 10 and 12% cash on cash return. That's phenomenal. Okay, so let's just go for round number sake with 10, okay? Mm -hmm. If you are able to earn 10% returns, which it sounds like they can do that. And let me ask you this, Eric, if you were to buy, let's just say a, keep numbers around a $100,000 house. Um, let's just say city is Memphis and you're buying a 100, um, you know, Two, two bedroom, one bath house. I don't know what, what your average yeah. ones are, but if it was a $100,000 house, how much would that person have to put down as a down payment? Uh, 20%. Okay. So they're looking at coming up with $20,000 to put down on a $100,000 house. Where are they getting that 20,000 from? Um, probably I would venture to say most of your listeners are pulling that from a savings account that they have at a bank. 
Yep, right. They correct. work hard. They take mm-hmm. their extra money that they're that they're earning and they put it aside in a savings account. So the thing about that, Eric, is that that is definitely a way to do it. I personally don't think that is the most efficient way to structure your financial life, because while the money is setting in their bank, waiting to get to $20,000 so they can buy another turnkey property from you, they're really not earning any money on that yeah. money. It's it's very, um, the banks these days are paying literally next to nothing. I call it yeah. zero point nothing just to be funny, you know, yeah. uh, zero point. It's like maybe a quarter of a percent. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. and that money, if you're lucky. Uh, if you're lucky and the money that they do pay to add an extra level of insult to the whole thing is taxed as ordinary income mm-hmm. interest income that a bank pays a person is a tiny and b it's got terrible tax problem it's taxed it's taxed at their ordinary income which is the highest income that you know the highest rate you can get taxed at so i try to help people in the uh, real estate investing community store their money in a place that's going to give them much, much more advantages than a traditional bank, okay? When you put money in a traditional bank, how does the bank make money? And I can assure you, it's not by paying you any interest whatsoever. That's not how they make money by paying out interest. They make money by taking your money and lending it at a higher rate of return than they're paying you. Okay, so a lot of your listeners might be shocked, but let me just ask you this. If the bank is paying you a quarter of a percent and then that bank turns around and takes your money and lends it out at five and a quarter percent, what is the rate of return the bank is making on that money? What would your guess be? A lot, a very high percentage. (laughs) (laughs) So so let's just put numbers to it for a second. It's it's close to infinite, but not quite. So if you if it's a hundred thousand dollars and they're paying you a quarter of a percent, they're paying you two hundred and fifty dollars. That is one quarter of a percent of a hundred thousand dollars. And I know numbers don't play well on on podcasts, but I'm just going to give this one example to help you guys really crystallize what I'm talking about. If they're paying you a quarter of a percent that's $250 they're taking that money and lending it out at five and a quarter percent for example that's $5,250 right so the key that everybody has to understand is the bank is not using their own money when they make loans they're using their depositors money and they're taking that and leveraging it it's a concept called arbitrage so they're paying out a small rate and they're turning it into a large rate so if you could turn 250 dollars into 5250 dollars that actually running it through a financial calculator is a 2000 percent rate of return that's exactly what the math is they're 20 xing their money and most people think oh they're only making five percent No, they would only be making 5% if they were using their own money, but they're Mm -hmm. not. They're using their depositors' money. Mm -hmm. So what I teach people is how do you put yourself in the position of being a bank? And I've created this strategy, Bulletproof Wealth, 
that helps you rather than put in the least amount of money possible for life insurance for the most amount of face value or death benefit, I just reverse that and put in the most amount of money possible for the least amount of life insurance to get all of the other incredible advantages of having money in this unique asset class. So you're actually purchasing a permanent asset when you do this. And I use it in my own life. Um, you know, I put as much as I possibly can in, and I have clients, hundreds of real estate investors from every state in the country doing the same thing. Um, so what happens is when you take a loan from your life insurance policy, let's go back to $100,000 in there, you might have to pay the life insurance company 5% for the use of their money because it's a collateralized loan against the equity in your policy. But now you're making 10% by investing with your company on a turnkey product. And so you're returning $10,000. So this is the key that makes this thing just explode is that you're now spending 5,000 to make 10,000. So you turned a 10% return if you were using your whole 100,000 into a 100% rate of return. Now, obviously, Eric, that increases dramatically when you're using leverage and you're only using the money for the down payment, right? Which in this case, with working with you, I would say, just take a loan for the $20,000 down payment because everybody has to have that money saved somewhere, put it to, to do the down payment on the house and then use the other 80,000 with a loan. Therefore, you're actually using more of other people's money and you're increasing your rate of return even more. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense how that works? Yeah, so let's, let's go back to that. So we basically you, uh, so you basically get like a life insurance uh, policy let's yes, say sir. that uh, let's say a million dollar life insurance policy yeah and then with that life insurance policy what is the the value that let's say i just buy a life insurance policy uh, policy right now and uh i pay my premium for the whole year up front mm -hmm. um so how much of that can i use in uh to to do the strategy how long or do i have to wait until i have enough into uh, equity in that life insurance policy in order to, to use it? That's a great question. So the answer to your question is, and I hate to be you know vague, but it depends. I know that that's a, yeah. an, an answer that people don't love, but it depends on who structured your life insurance policy and for what purpose. Because if you were buying a $1 million life insurance policy to use my strategy with, what we would be doing is putting in the most money you can possibly get in there for the least amount of life insurance. So if you qualified for $1 million based on your age and income, then I would be looking at it and saying, okay, we're looking at getting a $1 million policy. So that's gonna be the least amount of life insurance that we can get. What is the most amount of money we can put in for that amount of face value or death benefit of life insurance. Okay. So you, Does pay that make as sense? Much of the, you pay as much as you can up front. You put, you put into as much as you can up front. Now, the way that I do this is by structuring cash to be available within 30 days. So for example, um, I don't, I hate to use numbers because people start getting locked in on target numbers and they yeah, think that yeah, that's how yeah. it would work. The reality is, is that the amount you can qualify for is based on your age 
and your income and the cost of the insurance is based on your health. And because of those three variables, it makes it so every single person is unique in how this is structured, right? The healthier you are, the healthier you are, the lower the cost of insurance will be relative to the face value. So um, that's another variable that is very difficult for me to, um, you know, for me to uh, calculate. But I will say this: let's just say that year one you put in sixty thousand dollars, for example. Yeah. You might have 30 of those thousand available after 30 days to be able to lend okay. out just as an okay. example. Okay. And then year two, you may not be able to put in 60. You might be able to only put in $30,000 because you overfunded that first year. And out of that $30,000, maybe only 20 is required and 10 is optional. So I always build in a flexible funding window. And then as you continue to put more money into this specially designed policy, by year four, typically you're putting in whatever number you're putting in for example in this case thirty thousand, your cash value is growing that year by more than the amount you put in so if you put in 30 you might have access to an additional thirty-one thousand starting the fourth year and usually okay, by year from the previous year yes and well i'm talking about year over year so if mm -hmm. you put in 30 it goes up by more than 30 that year right yeah. the yeah. first two years the amount you put in, you have access to a little less than you put in because you're actually purchasing this asset of life insurance. But mm -hmm. by the fourth year, you have available to you to loan out the exact amount or more that you put in. Now, usually by year eight or nine, the entire amount of money you put in is catches up and is even with the amount you have available to loan. And then this unbelievable thing called compound interest kicks in. And every year after that, you put in money and your cash value goes up on a compounding basis at a much greater rate than you put in. And it turns into this unbelievable place to store money because you might be let's just say you might be 15, 20 years in and you put in 30,000 and on that year, your policy is growing by an additional 60. So it's doubling inside of there because it's compounding on the entire cash value. I know that that's a little bit complicated for not having any charts and graphs to show. Yeah, exactly. Audience, this is very, but, yeah. But, so um, let's, uh, let's go back to this example. So I get a million dollar policy. I yes, pay basically $60,000 in. I put $60,000 in. Part yes. of it is going to go to the cost of the life insurance itself and all of yes. that and for the future. But 30% of it is going to go in towards the cash value of the policy or the equity yes. of the policy. So that $30,000 is the cash value here. And then, so how, now I want to use that money to buy my turnkey rental. So I have yes. $100,000 turnkey rental. I have to put $20,000 down plus... Uh, let's say uh, closing cost of, and you know five thousand dollars, so twenty five thousand dollars. So how? So now, how do I get that money out of that life insurance policy to invest in that? And how does how does that work? Okay, that's an awesome question, Eric. And for one, you're never taking money out of the life insurance policy. Oh, okay. What you're doing, it's just like a home equity line of credit where you're collateralizing your equity. 
you're mm -hmm. collateralizing the equity and the policy to take a loan against okay. it, not okay. from it. So the, there's a guaranteed loan privilege that comes with all of these policies that I set up for people. And that guaranteed loan privilege says, if you have cash value, you can borrow against it. And the loan to value in the first year is 90%. And the loan to value every year after that is the loan interest rate minus 100. So it's been 5% since 2012. So it's probably going to be around 95% loan to value. So if you had 100,000 of cash value in your past year one, you could get a guaranteed loan of 95,000. If you're in okay. year one and you have $40,000 of cash value, you could have a guaranteed loan of 36,000. So it's a little bit oh, less yeah. access, but you just, what you do is, if you know, it depends on who you're working with to set this and structure this for you. But because mm -hmm. I work with just real estate investors, we do me or my team does the loan processing paperwork to get access to this money. All you mm -hmm. do is say, send me a check for 20,000. I've just acquired, I've, I've, I've uh, targeted a new um, turnkey property I'd like to purchase. And we just say here, DocuSign this. And then in five days, they get an ACH of the 20,000. Boom. It just, it's very simple. It's, it's guaranteed collateralized access to your capital. Okay. So yeah, going back to our example. So now we have the $30,000 cash value and let's say we can get 90% of it out. So that's $27,000. Yes. So we get yeah. a loan and the loan is at 5% that we get. Yes. 5%. Okay. Yep. Okay. Is it so is it amortized over uh, like how, how long is it amortized over so it's pretty cool eric the answer to that question because it's unstructured so people okay. absolutely love the fact that you don't have a required even interest payment that you have to make on that loan you can we do in fact set up payments repayment structures for people if they want it in other words okay. if they say you know what i want to amortize this over 20 years and so we'll set you up at a 200 a month payment or whatever amount uh you want to pay back on that loan to pay it down we'll set it up where it just drafts your account but if you happen to be putting it into a non-long-term hold like you're fixing and flipping and you uh -huh. know that you're going to only need the money for eight months say for example yeah. then you can choose to not pay any interest at all on a monthly basis and then once your house sells that you fixed up you can pay it all back in one shot mm -hmm. now we haven't even talked about the best part of this which mm -hmm. is that while you're using that money you're still getting a dividend from the life insurance company on the entire cash value and the mm -hmm. reason you're doing that is because i personally only structure these things through mutually owned companies so yeah. mutually owned companies are required to return their profit back to the mutually mutual owners of the policy. So mm -hmm. what they do is they take their operating expenses and their mortality charges off the top, and then they left with their profit. And then they, they issue a dividend once a year and return that back to the policy owners. So in a weird way, you're, you're paying 5%, that's going back to the company as profit. And then they're taking that profit, reducing their more uh, their company expenses and mortality charges, and then returning whatever's left of that back to you uh, on your policy anniversary in the form of a dividend. I know that's a lot to, to think about, but that is why 
your compound growth keeps just going and going and going. And it's a key element to why people want to do this in the first place. And the other thing too, I think that the 5% interest that you're, uh, that I'm charging my, that my insurance policy my, that I own uh, is also gets into the insurance policy, but it's tax free, right? So that's fine. So if I have like $27,000 and I'm paying 5% uh, per year, so that's like 13, about $1,300 in interest that I'm paying a year. Let's say I just pay interest only. So that $1,300 is an expense for me in, uh, from the IRS perspective. And it's, it's, a, it's an income for my insurance policy that is tax-free. Is that correct? So let me explain to you this. Number one, I personally do not give tax advice, okay? Because yes, I'm not a right. CPA, I, and I have to make these disclaimers there. Yep. But I don't, I don't tell people what's what is a a write-off and what isn't. I would say you need to talk to your CPA, explain mm. your specific situation, and say, "Hey, I use this as a business expense. Can I write off this interest?" Right? Mm -hmm. As long as it's fully documented, I personally don't see why you couldn't do that. But again, this is not yeah. tax advice from me. This is go talk to your CPA about that. Now, what yeah. is the tax advantages of life insurance? Life insurance is taxed on a first in first out basis. So let me explain that real quick for your listeners, just so that they understand clearly what that means. If you were to buy $100,000 worth of Apple stock and it were to grow to 200,000, so now you have 100,000 of basis and 100,000 of gains. If you sold $100,000, that would be taxed as capital gain. It would be short-term or long-term depending on your holding period, okay? And all of that would be taxed because they first money out on 99% of all investments is the capital gains, right? When you sell something, they treat any gains as capital gains. Now with life insurance, they invert that and it's called last in first out treatment. And it's very, very cool the way it works. So if you have $100,000 of premiums you put into the life insurance and your policy doubled to 200,000, if you sell 100,000 or you distribute $100,000 out of your policy, then boom, they consider that the first money you put in and you leave your gains in there. So it works just the opposite as most investments. And what that means is that in retirement, I distribute the basis or all of your contributions out first and then there's a huge pool of capital gains that have built up over your life in the policy. And once we hit that gain, we switch to collateralized loans that you never pay back. And I'll explain why you never pay yeah, them back yeah. in a minute. But it's like an absolute like paradigm shift to get your head around how this works. But you are creating this ginormous pool of guaranteed money that is going to go to your beneficiary. And if there is an outstanding loan, which is why they allow these loans to roll over and accrue, they're going to pay back that loan out of your face value or death benefit, and then your beneficiary gets the balance. So what that means is that if you passed away with a $4 million 
death benefit and you had a $2 million outstanding loan, they're going to pay back that loan and give your beneficiary $2 million. That's what they're guaranteeing. They're going to do that. They are guaranteeing that they're going to pay a death benefit, but they're just going to pay themselves off first. So the tax advantages on life insurance are on the internal cash value accumulation. That pays a dividend and that dividend goes to grow the cash value and that compounds and grows every year. And all of that internal buildup, if you structure it properly in retirement is never taxed. I technically never use and cannot use the word tax-free. The correct word is tax advantage, but I do, none of my clients pay taxes. Let's just put it that way. Even though I don't ever say those two words, um together (laughs) oh right nobody's gonna hear about this (laughs) okay (laughs) so but uh, so i mean you touched on another important component to me Uh, financial freedom is key but also a legacy so a lot of uh, my listeners they also are looking to build a legacy and the same for me um so so that's that's pretty interesting so basically this still works as a life insurance uh policy upon yes then it it's gonna pay the the value of the insurance so if it's a million dollars insurance and you have outstanding loans it's going to pay the loans but then the rest yep. of it is going to go towards your descendant your beneficiary exactly and eric that that is cannot be understated and here's one other key element is that the amount of actual life insurance goes up between when you start it and when you retire dramatically. So if you started with a million dollars, by the time you were 67, it might be at 2.5 million. It just depends on how long you're putting money into it, but the accumulation inside of it also increases the death benefit. So it's not just increasing your equity position that you can collateralize to borrow against, it's increasing how much your beneficiaries are going to get as well. So, you know, there's a lot of negative talk about whole life insurance out there in the mainstream media. And the reason it is, is because they want people to give them the money for them to control, to put it under management, right? People in general want to accumulate assets under management. That's how the traditional world works. And they try to spin all kinds of nonsense out there about the evil insurance company keeping your money and all of this stuff. Well, they don't talk about the fact that the life insurance face value is going up as well. You know, they don't understand what I'm doing and they definitely, definitely don't want it to be well-known information. And that's why I have chose to work with real estate investors because it's a unique group of people that understand the value of having control of their money. They don't want to give their money to some somebody else and and have them just hope and pray that it's going to be okay in retirement. They want to control their money and put it into assets they understand. So, and this is also why you mentioned at the beginning, when you go into the life insurance is you go with the minimum insurance value and then you maximize the amount of money that you put in. That's exactly right. Because the value of the policy is going to go up over time. And that's uh, true. All right. So that make that makes sense. Uh, so yeah, so this is a, obviously a lot of information, uh, a lot of numbers <laughs> yeah. for a lot of people. Uh, I try to make <laughs> it as simple as uh, as we can, but yes. uh, 
You what know, Eric, what I do is listen, I know that this is tough on a podcast. Okay. And yeah. so what I do is I have a free video educational resource that you can get access to by just going to my website. It's stressfreeplanning.com. Mm. And all you do it, there's no charge for this whatsoever. You just put your name and email in at stressfreeplanning.com and then boom, up comes a world of free education that you can really learn about what I do, see how yeah. people are using it. Um, it's, it's like me speaking to real estate investor crowds and at different conferences. And it's really valuable information to learn whether or not this might be something that would be a good fit for you or not. And if it's not, I will not bug you. Okay. I only want to work with people that want to work with me and understand the value of what I'm doing. So that's why I teach people for nothing for free, how this works. And then if they want to really take a look at what they're able to do personally, then there's a, a button inside of that education, free educational video page that allows you to book an appointment where we can yeah. go over what you're capable of doing. So it's, I make okay. it simple. Yeah. So your website is called stressfreeplanning.com. Yes, sir. That, so that's the best place for you to, to reach you at is just go there and then 100%. watch the video. All right. It's yeah, good. go there, watch a few of my videos. And then if you want to talk with me more, just book a time to talk and I'll be happy to go over it with you in person, how it works. I'm not in person, but virtually in person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then so that's part of that, your wealth, uh, your bulletproof wealth strategy. And yes, sir. then so we talked about the three components. So, uh, Tom, yeah, so Th thank you for your time. It was a lot of information. It was uh, very intense. And uh, I hope people go to your website, at least learn uh, more at uh, maybe at their own pace and get more into the details and then crunch some numbers and then uh, contact you. So Tom, thank, thank you very much. Thank you for having me, Eric. I look forward to talking with you again. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for listening to Break Away from the Rat Race with your host, Eric Martel. If you want to share your story and experience with our listeners, please message us on Facebook at Break Away from the Rat Race. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast on iTunes.